It's me, it's me, it's the ROB. I've seen it all, I've done it all. Now I'm gonna be talking about it all right here on Perched on the Top Row. The Long Island Ice TV, the T-O-Double-D. You're listening to Perched on the Top Row. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your sports Kita analyst, autobiography writing, backstage interview providing. I am your host, Lee Walker, joined by Rob Hockman and the formerly known as the T-O-double-D. Now I have to change my name a little bit or Rob might come after me for copyright infringement. Alex Todd. Well, if it's not me, it's going to be Brian James. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll get lucky and he'll hit all of us. <laughs> How you doing today, Rob? I'm awesome. I, I my day was just made ten minutes ago, so I'm I am doing phenomenal. I don't think there's anything, not even a bad raw, that could bring me down. Oh. Hey, well, I have just the thing in store for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you watched Monday night? My bad. I, I watched. I tried to watch it. We'll get it. <laughs> haven't we all that's why they make dvrs and a fast forward button right absolutely uh ladies and gentlemen so what we're gonna do this week is we're gonna jump right into our recap we're gonna go through raw nxt and smackdown we're gonna talk a little bit about aew lee's got a little bit he wants to touch on there and then we are gonna throw it over to rob so we're gonna start with monday night raw lee (laughs) i don't know where you want me to begin to be honest with you raw is always just a lackluster. There's a reason why they're losing the SmackDown in the ratings. There's a reason why, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, AEW is actually catching up in the ratings. Uh, but before we get to me, I want to hear from Rob. Rob, what were your thoughts about WWE Raw this past week? Uh, once again, just like you were saying, extremely weak. Uh, I, I, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, even from, I can't even look back on on when i was involved with them uh just i i'm dumbfounded uh creatively there's so much more you could do with the talent that they have there it just seems they just keep throwing um crap against crap week after week against the wall just to see what's going to stick and it's not sticking it is not sticking ratings are dropping um and and it's only going to get worse i they they are not turning the creative loose that they know that can be turned loose. And it's, it's becoming a huge problem. I, I absolutely agree. My, my biggest thing is you, you know that the talent is there, not only from like the talent side, but also from the creative side, because you have two other shows that you're putting on in the same week that are, I would say good on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, I, I don't usually ever have many complaints about SmackDown or NXT. So why is it that there's just one show per week that you cannot do anything good with? You've got, I get my biggest thing. Here's, here's like one thing that stuck out for me is you've got, so the Viking Raiders came back. They need to be pushed. I get that. But you've got a tag team in Shelton Benjamin and it's Cedric Alexander, who could arguably be one of the best tag teams in the world right now, jobbing out every week. Well, I made the comment too that, you know, probably the thing that helped them keep their jobs was the fact that 
Vince and the boys in the back probably said, we got to have a tag team job. You boys got it. Now, Rob, I got to ask you this. When, if ratings were down while you were writing in WWF, WWE, initially, like who, who did any, like who did Vince blame? Who did he take, take it out on? Everybody, everybody. But in fairness, ratings weren't really down that much when, when we were there. Um, you know, certainly not to this level. Uh, we may have had a bad week uh, or, or a bad dip here and there, but never to this, never to this level, never to this level. Um, you know, and anybody who doubts it can go look it up. It's never been this bad. Okay. And, you know, when I, I you know, the ratings have always been a, a big part, especially when, you know, they had the Monday Night Wars going on. Absolutely. Um, do you think that the ratings taking such dives do you think that fans just really aren't watching? Do you think that people who like illegally stream these shows are, are do you think any of that's taking a big hit on, on the ratings? I personally do. Uh, depending on who you talk to, um, you know, and I've heard Tony Khan speak about this on numerous occasions. He feels that the ratings still play a huge factor. I feel the exact opposite. And the reason I feel that way is because there's so many different ways now that the ratings are factored in. Um, you have a, a live rating, you have a DVR plus three rating, and then you have a DVR plus seven rating. Um, and we oftentimes don't hear all of the DVR plus three and DVR plus sevens. Um, there's also, um, you know, you, you, don't, you can't factor in the streaming on things like YouTube uh, and things of that nature. So people may be getting their wrestling fix, but they're not necessarily watching it live on USA or, or even TNT for that matter. Um, you know, the ratings for AEW could be skewed just as much. Okay, right on. I was going to say, I feel like you've got enough people that are also watching the YouTube clips after the show goes off. You've got, you know, people like us, for example, we've, we've watched the show, you know, the highlights on Twitter before. Yeah. There's so many different ways now that you can watch wrestling that there's no way it's not affecting the TV ratings. It's just, that's, that's, that one's almost common sense. And here's, here's another factor to consider as well. When you're watching the, um, a program, whether it doesn't matter necessarily if it's wrestling, but we can use wrestling as the example, when you're watching a program on DVR and you know, they're going to commercial. If you start to hit the fast forward button before the first commercial starts to hit, you lose the, the rating. Really? So, if we're in the middle of locking up and you hear Michael Cole say, we'll be right back. This match will continue. Don't go anywhere. And as you're hearing him saying it, you start fast forwarding. Boop, you're, you've been tossed out of the rating. So your DVR plus three or DVR plus seven is in the toilet. So unless you take that to the first commercial, your rating doesn't count. I did oh. not know that. I didn't either. So that skews the ratings too, because I can tell you firsthand, there are lots of times, especially you know, and we'll talk about this later on when you when you get into um, like SmackDown or or any program for for that matter, for promo was just going on and on and on. And then we're leading into a match on top of that. I don't know about you guys, but I'll fast forward and right. I could go through a commercial break on that, you know, as they're getting ready to lead into a match. That rating just got tossed out. That actually makes a lot of sense now because uh, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I remember within the past couple of years, SmackDown did that 
in picture commercial break thing where mm-hmm. they would still show the show while the commercials were going on and that would make sense as to why you would do that because that way you're still watching the commercial because you yeah. want to watch the wrestling yeah. that's going on in the corner and they still get the rating from the commercials going on yeah, yeah. And they still do that now even uh, aew does that now too Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do the well, it makes sense. I always wondered why they did that. So they I do, think- and if and if you take a look at when they do it, because they don't do it every single break, they'll do it oftentimes in the quarter hour breaks. So if mm-hmm. you have your your top of the hour, then your thirty minutes, then your top of the hour again, then your other thirty minute mark. If we're talking about a two hour show, and in Raw's case, the six times that you take a look, the 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 zero zero on the hour, the thirty minute on the hour, that's oftentimes when they'll do the picture in picture. Um, if you're if you're in a uh, 30, 36 minute, 37, 40 minute mark and they're, they're not going to monitor that break, then they're going to go to commercial because that they, they want to make sure the 30 minute rankings are exactly where they need to be. At right. least I knew from from when I was there, we got judged on the 30 minute break marks. OK, OK, well, well that makes a lot of sense. But, yeah. uh, you know, so obviously there, there's a lot of factors playing into the ratings, but in this case of Monday Night Raw, like we were speaking of, I think a big part of it too is because the other shows are still doing better in ratings. The product is just terrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are certain key points that they do do well, there, and then there's, you know, the hit or the miss, and then there's the WTF, what were you thinking? Right. Um, and let's dive right into Raw and one of those WTF, what were you thinking moments involves two of your favorites, T-Bar and uh, Mace. See, the thing is, though, as as actual athletes and wrestlers, they are two people that I, I am very high on. I, you know, Dio Madden has showed promise. Dio Madden, if to anybody's paying attention, has been playing Mace on Monday Night Raw as part of the former uh, Retribution stable. And uh, T-Bar was NXT's Dominic Dijakovic. The fact that Dominic Dijakovic is playing this stupid, I just got unmasked gimmick. Uh, he's still going by T-Bar when this man should be in the main event picture. I, I don't know if you've seen the things this man can do for a big guy, but he shouldn't be playing this mid to low card role. It's, it's just disgusting to me. <laughs> I mean, I've seen both of them wrestle and they're, they are phenomenal athletes Rob, knowing the fact that fans know both of these competitors' names while they were in NXT, and now they have this whole different character change, with the unmasking, if you were still in WWE today, would you try to advocate for them to have their old names, or would you still continue to push this uh, T-Bar and Mace character? No, I would... I would I would advocate to have them advocate to have their old names, uh, and the reason being is the wrestling fans nowadays are not are not stupid. Um, in, in addition to that, uh, NXT is under the same brand. It's not like they're coming from an AEW or a WCW to right. a WWE, where you could change the person's name potentially. Um, you know, even even when when talent. Kanash went from WWF to WCW. They used his real name because everyone, number one, trademark infringement, but number two, they knew who he was. So they weren't going to insult the wrestling fan. I felt, first of all, the retribution gimmick went off the rails when they couldn't figure out a decent enough name uh, to be the leader of it to really give you that shock value. Part of the other problem was a lot of the talent, like Mia Yim, you knew who it was under the mask already, so you really weren't shocking anybody. Right. So From the moment they of, showed up, 
because her hair is yeah. blue. And you started to go down the rail of, of trying to pull one over your eyes when you really can't do it. Um, you know, so I, I would have, if, if we were going to unmask the, the, the talent, I would advocate to, to have their, the, use their real names, almost like, a, all right, you got me, I am, you know, so-and-so, whoever the talent may be that they're unmasking and, and go at it that way instead of trying to keep the silly names that they have because we know that you're not T-Bar. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I would, was hoping that they would, um, when they got unmasked, there would be some sort of shock value there. Mm -hmm. We didn't get that shock value because we already knew who was under the masks, but the shock value would have been if commentary would have recognized them by their old names. Especially when Dio Madden himself used to be on the raw commentary team. Like you saw him every Monday night. Dijakovic was on NXT every Tuesday night on the same network, nonetheless. Yeah. On, on the USA network. Like, so people that have watched this network specifically, they've seen both of these men countless times. You're, you're just, you're insulting the intelligence of the fans, in my opinion. And I also think, and I also think to follow that up with the fact that we don't have live audiences, I feel that the, they're half-assing it as far as the shock value and everything. Um, yeah. They just, I, I think surprises like that have far more effect when you have a live crowd than what we've got right now. We've never had anything like this before. This, this, you know, everything we're going through with COVID has, has we're going in uncharted territories. But I think that the, and I know we had the show must go on and we got to have surprises and we got to have shock value and we got to have this, we got to have that. But when you're, it's not working without a live audience there. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, 100%. You know, and, um, other companies have been fortunate enough, like NXT has somewhat of a law of audience. They have a, a little crowd. Yeah, as, as does AEW. As does AEW. And now MLW is joining that uh, ranks. They will start having live crowds July 10th. Yep. And they're starting that at the 2300 Arena, which if you know that arena, that is the old ECW arena. Um I think without live fans, it's very hard to have a shock value. I think it's very hard to give the surprises that fans want. But until they have those fans back, I don't think we're going to get any better than what we're getting. Right. 100%. Think, you know? think about it this way. Um, what would be the greatest thing that Raw could do to shock the wrestling fan population? Uh, I've got my answer. If if a guy by the name of CM Punk were to happen to show back up and that music were to hit, the TV screens are not going to do him the pop justice that he deserves or that he would get. Um, you know, as wonderful as that WrestleMania crowd was for WrestleMania 37 that we just came off of, that was only 25,000. If right. they had that, that full arena or the full stadium, rather, uh, filled with 100,000 people in there and his music hits, that the 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 stadium itself would be vibrating harder than it was when the thunder was hitting it absolutely and yeah. i i kind of mentioned a similar topic to what you're talking about to lee i was talking about with the fans not being in attendance i almost feel like that's also the reason that wwe is pushing off the return of becky lynch right now no absolutely yeah. because she's she's ready to go there was thought she was supposed to return at wrestlemania but they they apparently for whatever reason 
and I guess it's been known that it was for an absurd reason they they nixed the plans at the last second. Yeah, well, I you know I I I, I think especially for for top tier talent like that, it's going to be a minute before we start to see those those surprises because if you're going to spend that much money on a surprise and shock value, you don't want the shock value to come three or four days later when the dirt sheet writers are talking about it or even podcasts like us are putting it over. Right. Um, you, you want it right there live on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that, you know, when we have a live audience back, I, I would, I think you'll see a spike in ratings because I think they'll try and pack in a lot all at once. Well, and people like us who are sitting at home are going to be glued to the TV to see what the audience pops are like, because that's mm-hmm. what me personally, even if the show is awful, the first full show where they have a full arena back, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to want to see what the audience is doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, one thing that this, this pandemic has taught us, or at least taught the, the, the WWE um, is I, I can, bet that they're going to be extremely selective as far as where they take their tour um you know at least at first starting out um you know they'll take it to the madison square gardens or the or the nassau coliseums or philadelphia or chicago uh, but you're not going to see them in des moines iowa uh, because now that people have gotten accustomed to just being able to sit at home and be fed product they may not necessarily be coming out in all these cities that people are like, well, when is the tour going to happen? The tour is going to happen in the major cities where they know they can sell 25 to 30,000 seats in a Madison Square Garden or a Nassau Coliseum or a Philadelphia or Chicago, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. They're going to go where the big money is. They're not going to go to like the, the small little yeah. little arenas like, like when they do the house shows for us like in Syracuse I was gonna New say, York. I think it's even going to be a little while before we get the Buffalo and Albany shows up here. Oh, yeah. I've mm-hmm. been to those and I'm regularly those don't even sell out. Yeah, no. Unfortunately um, as it is. But uh, what was that? I was I had something. It was there. I can't remember what it was. Oh, oh, yeah. I was talking about um with, with the uh, the traveling show too. I don't think you're going to start seeing them go into smaller towns again, probably for like another two or three years. Well, no, and they even, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do live show wise, but it's going to be, it's going to be a little different and that's fine. Um, But, you know, back to raw, one thing I have noticed and I'm sure everyone else has noticed Charlotte flair. Uh Um, Something's different. (laughs) Charlotte flair doesn't look the same as when she first came in. Now, there's no problem with that, but piggybacking off of what you're saying, there was quite the interaction between her and Dave Meltzer this past week. And it all has to go with exactly where I'm going with looks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Vince Russo has spoken about this. Dave has spoken about this. Rob, what are your thoughts on the changes we've seen in Charlotte, uh, you know from the she looks like she has a new chin her little dimple that she had is gone uh she had her breast implants removed she's not as muscular she has you know she's kind of done is what i call the china china when she was big had all the big muscle and everything her face showed it too Mm mm-hmm China thinned out. China did a few things, breast augmentation, things like that. With the thinning out, 
China looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Not saying Charlotte never looked good, but Charlotte is wow now. Like, I didn't recognize her at first. Rob, when, when the women go through these changes, you know, when you were in the company, because this stuff happened, um, how, how did WWE take to it? Are you kidding? They loved it. They loved it. It was it was uh, subtly encouraged, um, you know. And and you know, there. I don't think there's a diva or women's wrestler um, from my era or or any of the eras, starting with Sonny on up, that really didn't partake in that. Um, everyone got a little touch up here, a little touch up there, some more than others, um, but. You know, everyone pretty much was all in the same playing field. I think the only person who really didn't do too much was maybe Stacy Carter. Um, but other than that, there isn't anyone that wasn't touched up. And, and to touch on, uh, you know, Charlotte, I think she's drop dead gorgeous. Um, I thought she was before, but even more now. Uh, uh, Andrade uh, hit the jackpot on that one. he knows that too because he posts on instagram about her almost daily yeah yeah i mean if you're in the position it's he you know i do the same thing i've been bragging all the time (laughs) right um speaking of charlotte this past monday night on raw they had a match between charlotte and oscar and they did this angle where charlotte got pissed off at the referee she attacked him and on raw talk after the show adam pierce fined her a hundred thousand dollars and suspended her uh, what what are your thoughts on the suspension program they're doing with her being that she they literally just brought it back? It it could all be a matter of um, her needing a, a minute or two to to get well with whatever they may have done. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when we go the suspension route, it's because you need a week or two or whatever to get to get healthy. Um, that's also why they'll they'll do the injury route uh, lots of times. Um, right. If you need a week or two, um, you know, so I, I don't know the specifics behind it, but I'm, I would be willing to bet it, it was because she needed uh, a little bit of time to, to either heal. She may have had uh, a week vacation in there um, to, to take with Andrade or whatever, uh, right. you know, but that's that's typically where you throw in the the wink wink suspension. Well, that's good. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. All well, right. anyways, uh, I would say for Monday Night Raw, that's about all I've got could not sit through most of the rest of the show yeah raw has been you know kind of there's a reason why you know their ratings have gone down um i don't know i i i i don't know how how it's working what they're doing but um rob if you were in a situation like this in wwe what what does vince generally do when (laughs) things aren't working but you know he kind of wants them to work how do you work how do you work around that We'd be on the Florida unemployment line is what we'd be at right now. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's just the simple truth. Uh, heads would roll. Um, I'm surprised they're not rolling. Uh, possibly the only reason that they're not rolling is, you know, his fond affection for Bruce Pritchard. Uh, I'm sure Bruce has a ton on his plate right now, uh, being in charge of just about everything. Um, but that's, you know, whoever's under Bruce, Bruce better be cracking a very, very tight whip right now because uh, the plane of the, the raw plane, if you will, is taking a nosedive and somebody better pull the nose up real quick. Right. And speaking of people under Vince, under Bruce Pritchard, we've seen in the past week, 
WWE has handed out some pink slips. Uh, <laughs> situation. I've, I've been wanting to pick your brain on this situation all week. We Sorry. saw the situation with Mickey James in the past week. We saw the trash bag incident. All of her belongings were sent to her in a trash bag. And coincidentally, within 24 hours, Mark Carano got fired. Rob, your thoughts? My stork. My stork, my stork. My king of uh, always finding a way to screw things up. Um, <laughs> all I could say about poor Mark, karma's a bitch. Came back around, bitch in the ass. Um, he has been, he always was a difficult person to work with. Um, even after I left the business and got into uh, promoting uh, and autograph signings and working with talent, um, he was always a pain in the ass to work with. Um, there is no love lost there. Um, you know, he thought his poop, so to, st- so to speak, didn't stink. Uh, and it came back and bit him in the butt. Uh, if you follow a lot of the other women wrestlers that were a part of WWE, uh, Gail Kim, uh, and, and several others were very outspoken about, he, he did it to them too. Um, some people he even was able to pass the buck to, um, and you had women blaming other executives and office officials when it was his directive. Um, so I can guarantee you that as everything started to roll downhill, the people who were underneath Mark were also, uh, trying to save themselves by, by letting them know who did it. Um, so it, it, you know, anytime we have layoffs or, or let goes, no matter how much these, these men and women make, it's never an easy time for Vince. Vince takes it very hard. I know people may think that he doesn't, he really does. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a business at the end of the day, we may disagree with some of the choices, uh, that he chooses to let go, but there are different reasons behind why he does what he does. No matter what the reasons or what the situation is, none of these men or women should ever be treated like that. And, you know, on the flip side to that, I don't think Mark put Samoa Joe's stuff in a garbage bag. Oh, yeah, his probably was mailed out to him in first class. It was, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it just goes to show the kind of disrespect some executives have for uh, women in this business, which is a shame because uh, there's, it's, it's uncalled for and there's no reason for it. Especially when you're dealing with somebody like Mickey James, who's an absolute legend in this business. She's been wrestling now for 20, 25 plus years. She's one of the most notable female talents in the industry. And I like, I don't understand how you can just take somebody's stuff, throw it in the garbage bag and just say, here you go. Well, it wasn't only Mickey James that that happened to. So whether you're Mickey James, who's a hall of fame veteran, uh, or Peyton Royce or Billy Kay, uh, you know, or last year too, when they did the COVID. So it, it, it has no, it has no bearing on, on who you are or where you rank in the business. You shouldn't do that to men, women, period. Anybody, even an office executive. And, you know, dare I say there were a couple office executives that may have gotten a trash bag once or twice. Well, then, you know, know, that it, it happens. Right. Well, it's good to get your insight on that because, you know, coming from somebody like yourself, who's actually been on that side of the business, it's nice for us as fans to get an explanation or the closest thing to an explanation of why something. I can tell you, 
I can tell you firsthand when, when the layoffs happen and it happens every single year, we've just seen it more and more now because of COVID it's been made a big deal that 20 people at one clip get let go. Um, whether it's 20 people in one clip or two people this week, three people, uh, two weeks from now, four people a month after that, it all adds up to the same. It just really depends on when your contract is coming up, uh, what they feel working with you is going to be best to buy you out. Um, and, and they know that some of these guys and gals are going to uh, pick up elsewhere. Um, you know, let's get their 90 days out of the way and let's get them, uh, you know, working again and, and doing what they do best. Um, you know, it, when I was there, it was always a somber moment in, in the office on the days when talent would be let go. It wasn't uh, happy-go-lucky. And to the fans out there that may think that it's just a billionaire getting rid of people under them, it's, it's definitely not like that at all. Okay. Well, that's a little reassuring, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've always noticed that sometimes with specific talents, when they get released, the timing is almost perfect because their 90 days always tends to run out right before a big pay-per-view for another company. So I almost feel like Vince's or whoever under Vince may be doing the cuts is also taking that into effect. And there's also a lot of people, and I've mentioned this with Lee before, there's a lot of people who did get let go that you know are going to get picked up elsewhere. Uh, Peyton Royce is, uh, I, I would bet you anything you'd like, that she is headed to AEW. Uh, her husband is over there. You can rest assured she's going to go over there, and she probably is going to bring her friend Billy Kay with her. Um, yeah, Iconics are yeah, like one of my favorite tag teams. So it's, I it, it's pretty much a given. Um, and, and the other person whose name is escaping me also has, uh, someone in AEW, um, and they're going to latch on over there. So, and Samoa Joe being let go, it, it, his free agency just makes the wrestling world that much more fun Mm -hmm. because he actually wants to get back in the ring from what I understand. And that makes wherever he's going to show up that much more intriguing. Does he go to MLW? Does he go to Ring of Honor? Does he go to Impact? Does he go to AEW? Right. You'll never know where he's going to where he's going to show up, you know. And if he's like if he's like Matt Hardy in the beginning, and he signs one of these deals where he's free to just show up, uh, that's going to make it very intriguing and interesting for wrestling fans all over the place. You know, so there are talent that's going to latch on with certain companies. There's other talent that, that, you know, like Samoa Joe, which makes it just that much more fun and surprising for the wrestling fans. And that being said, with, with the, um, you know, the live crowds that AEW has, you will get that pop for a Samoa Joe when he decides to show up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking of AEW, we're not just uh, WWE talkers here. Wednesday nights, we no longer have the ratings war. Mm-hmm. AEW has stayed with Wednesdays. NXT moved to Tuesdays, which, and rightfully so, caused Impact to move to Thursdays. Because who wants to compete with that? <laughs> right. Um, you know, the thing I've seen the most is while well, NXT's ratings went up just a little, just a little, just a little. <laughs> AEW has doubled. Yeah, it's because they don't have the competition anymore. They're they're getting you know the the first show without NXT, boom, just over a million. The following week they hit like one point one something million, so like they've literally doubled their their viewership. 
Uh, to me, that tells you you had a lot of channel flippers. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, it also tells you that realistically, which show the fans are really more watching. Are they watching more NXT or are they watching more AEW? Well, now we know they're watching more AEW. Um, Rob, but prior to the rating, you know, they had the ratings war and everything. Now they're separate. We know that Triple H has his hand more in NXT than Vince does. What do you think is going through Triple H's head that they've only had just a little bit of an increase compared to AEW, who's doubled their viewership? Um, well, it's going to be a transition period to for fans to just mentally adjust to Tuesday. Um, so that's going to be the first thing that, that we have to, to give them maybe a month of, of bell curve, if you will, uh, to get to fix themselves. Uh, number two, as great as Triple H is, and he is great, and he's got great people working with him from Shawn Michaels to Road Dogg, um, uh, William Regal, all the guys down there at NXT, he has a great staff that's helping him organize and do everything that they do at NXT. Keep in mind, they're still handcuffed by being a corporate entity and a publicly traded company. Therefore, they can't really get away with everything that AEW is getting away with. Um, you know, and, and I think I could care less that it's 2021. I'm going to be straight honest with you. I believe AEW brings a lot more sex to the table. And, you know, as a guy, I'm, I'm a lot more in favor of it. Uh, I love uh, the bunny. Uh, I love uh, Rebel, Reba, whatever you want to call her. Um, I love, I love Dr. Britt Baker. I love Anna Jay. I mean, there's so many that I can name uh, off the top of my head. Uh, I love Brandy Rhodes. I think she's gorgeous. Um, but then when I look over at NXT, all I've got is Scarlett. And I've only got Scarlett for that small 10 to 15 minute window if they're cutting a promo or having a match. Other than that, I don't really have anything um, or anything to, to write home about. So, um, you know, I think they, they, they get away with that. I think also um, the, the 18 to 40 demographic or the attitude error demographic, if you will, uh, is a lot more attracted to the Chris Jericho's. Um, and Chris has a, a brilliant way of bringing the younger talent together and getting them over. Um, you know, in addition to going over, you got to get over. And I think Chris has a brilliant way, especially with what he's done with MJF. MJF is phenomenal. Um, I think he's had a brilliant way of bringing MJF over. Um, and, and if you notice MJF is leading the pack in his group, whereas Chris Jericho tr is trying to kind of like blend into his group. Um, and it's a brilliant way by Chris to, to get his guys that are, I don't want to call say underneath him, but if he's the leader of, of, of the group, he's trying to bring them forward where MJF is kind of leading forward instead of uh, being one with, with his group, like Chris Jericho is. And I think it's, it's brilliant by Chris. Um, and I think that AEW, the fact that they have the young bucks, Kenny uh, and, and Cody uh, working with Tony, as far as coming up with ideas and, and, and storylines and things like that. I think they're, they're on the right track. 
they just have a few things that they need to to fine tune. I think their referees need to fine tune just a couple things uh, to make it a little more realistic. But other than that, uh, AEW is just more exciting to watch, in my opinion. It's not as fantasy. It's more. It strikes me more as WCW Nitro back in the day, which was which was you know uh, before I started working for WWE was was my thing i loved nitro and there was a lot of reasons why i liked nitro um but that was that was i I think that's why the fans are still attracted to it is your older fans are going to follow chris jericho and the older the older talent if you will um wherever they go because they're on tv every week absolutely Um, you hit the nail on the the head on yeah i definitely just wow i definitely agree with the referee thing uh my biggest problem that's holding me back personally from AEW. Like I, I enjoy, like he said, they, you know, the, the appeal to the older men generation is there. I like the, uh, personally, I like the little bit more violence that we get with AEW. Like, don't get me wrong. It doesn't have to be, you don't, I don't have to have a match where you're covered in blood. Like the, the barbed wire exploding match, which I know you aren't a fan of or like anything like, <laughs> right. Right. But like firecracker match. Exactly. But um, it doesn't doesn't need to be a match where you're covered in blood, but like the the little bit, like blood, even just a little bit of it, does so much in professional wrestling. You saw it back with the Bret Hart Stone Cold feud. You saw it make Becky Lynch a superstar. You saw it put Britt Baker over as one of the top women in AEW months ago. You only got to use a little bit, but I know, you know, Vince has got his thing with blood now with it being PG. And with the company being publicly traded now, it's it's simply not going to happen. Fans, speaking of that match between Britt Baker, where she bled all over the place, I interviewed Thunder Rosa, part of AEW. Go to sportskeeda.com, search Lee Walker, and you can read that interview and watch it on YouTube. It's never a bad time for a shameless plug for Lee. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. But um, So back to the AEW thing, though, the biggest thing that's holding me back is storyline continuity. You've got one week where, with the exception of the inner circle, you've got one week where we'll be doing, or, you know, we'll have the segment with the Young Bucks or the, the most notoriously, Hangman Adam Page. You have a storyline going with him and he, fans are getting into it and then you don't see anything for for two, three, four weeks and then it just pops back up. I mean, that's my biggest thing that's holding me back from AEW right now. Well, I mean, that's kind of what MLW does, but MLW is also only an hour long. Right. So, like, they make up for it with a lot of promo work. Um, AEW is two hours. but And I'm also sure they're still a relatively new company. That's yeah. going to that's gonna come in time. But if, I was, if there was one thing I could focus in on, just week-to-week storyline continuity. Well, if you're going to do that, then they got to do it for that Monday night show that Paul White commentates on. And then they got to do it for AEW Dark because I cannot sit through 14 matches, no promos. <laughs> Every match rehearsed the same because you know when the neck breaker and super kick is coming. Rob, what do you think of those shows? That's, that's part of the problem with not being able to call it on the fly. Nowadays, the talent is just strictly, you know, we're in the back, we're going to do this to this to this to this to this to this. And, and I've, uh, I've said it a million times. I'll never forget. I was in the back with road dog, Jesse James, and, and someone came up to him and was trying to go through spot for spot for spot with them. And he said, we're going to have to call it in the ring. And the, and the, the young kid was like, Oh, what do you mean? And he says, I can't remember from lock up what we're going to do next. He goes, I'm going to call it in the ring. You just stick with me and follow me and we're going to be all right. But we call it in the ring. Cause you got to feel the crowd. 
if you just go through the motions, you're not feeling nothing in the audience. And that's why they're just, you know, the other problem with these YouTube shows, I don't know when half of them are on. Uh, and I don't go, I like to turn on my TV. I like to turn on for direct TV. It's 242 is USA for Raw, NXT, and, and, and 35 is Fox for SmackDown. I like 245, which is TNT for AEW. That, and I'm conditioned. If you tell me now you can go Monday, you can go to YouTube over here, then I got to worry about 242 over here, then I got to go over here for this, and I got to go over here for that. It's too much. There's, there's only so much the brain can, can <laughs> you know, handle. Right. And, and, you know, and, and also, I think the reason that they have these YouTube shows is because they're also smart enough to realize there's only so much wrestling shows we can handle. So if you miss a YouTube show this, this week, you can catch it if you're bored on a Saturday and just pull it up on, on YouTube and watch it. But I'm not someone, I like to just have my TV remote in hand and click 245 and boom, there's AEW on Wednesdays or 242, boom, there's NXT on Tuesdays or Raw on Mondays or 35, there's uh, SmackDown on Fridays. That's, that's what I do. It's, it's rare that I'll go to YouTube. If I do, it's probably because I'm cleaning, cleaning portions of my house um, and I have it on as background noise. And and you know it's it, it, that's that's realistically it. Sometimes I'll have the network on just for background noise. Right, muscle memory is real, people. I was gonna say, and, and that's <laughs> and that's part of an issue with um, you know, I know we're, we all come from different generations between the three of us, but all three of us do share that common factor that we all grew up in a wrestling era where it was put it on on TV, find the channel. Yeah, and even, even for someone like me, I'm only. 28 years old but like i'm not even used to this whole youtube show here youtube show there i don't think i've i i went out of my way to try and watch the first aew elevation show and i messed up the whole entire time and missed the whole thing on youtube because i'm just not used to it well to be honest it reminds me of ecw and i know rob knows what i'm talking about here when ECW was first on tv mm-hmm. it was generally on at least for here in new york on the MSG network, but you could you but you had to look for it. Oh yeah! At the time, we had TV guide, so it would show you the schedule of shows. You know, you had you know you were either catching it Friday night at midnight, Saturday at four in the morning, or six, seven, eight in the morning. Sundays at three a.m., Sundays at five a.m., Sundays at seven a.m. It was never on a set scheduled time with the network here i don't know how it was anywhere else but i just know that like in order to catch it you had to look for it and basically the same thing for years you had to do with ring of honor too yeah and you know and and you can even go about saying the same thing with mlw right now they're on four or five different streaming networks and then they're on youtube also but the good thing for mlw is they just signed a TV deal with Vice TV. Yeah, that's that's huge for them. You know, yeah. and everybody everybody knows Vice TV because they are Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which, as we know with Dark Side of the Ring, we know that uh, Rob's very good friend, Sonny Ono, is going to be part of Dark Side of the Ring this season. I'm excited. With, Episode uh, three. Yep, with uh, the, the incident in... Uh, in Korea. The collision in North Korea. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and that airs like, I believe next week. 
Well, May 6th is going to be the Brian Pillman episode. Okay, so uh, and then if we go seven days, it'd be 13 is going to be someone else. And then t- May 20th is going to be the collision in Korea. Okay. So May 20th. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be awesome episode. Um, yep. But back to the, back to the show thing. Um, that was, well, I just, I just want to touch on one thing real quick that you were saying with ring of honor, as we got older into, into later on in years, ECW, like you were saying, Lee, was extremely hard to find. And even if you found it at midnight on a Friday night, if you went back the following week, it wasn't necessarily on at midnight at the same oh. time. It could be on at two in the morning. Yeah. And, if the, and if the Ranger game or the Nick game went over, then all the programming for that thing got pushed further and further back. So yeah. you, got, you got messed up. In the situation with Ring of Honor, Sinclair has the, owns the actual network. So at least in my area, I know that at one o'clock on Saturday afternoons on, on channel five that we have down here, it's on every single Saturday and you could set your DVR to it. It's in the, it's in the TV programming and everything like that. Back in the day, you couldn't get that with ECW. So I think we've come a long way as far as being able to find the programming that we're looking for. I was going to say, I'll have to look into that because I remember the last time I think I found Ring of Honor on television, it was on at like 1 a.m. Um, Unless they maybe it might have changed since then, no, for all I know, it, but it has. I, I know up here it's a little different with the cable situation. It, it airs, I believe, it's channel. It's either channel four, six, or seven here. But it's like on late. Spectrum. No, it's on like like same with him. It's on like Saturdays. It's either like one o'clock, three o'clock, or four o'clock. Oh, they definitely changed it then because it used to be on the because middle you of the could, night. Because you could also catch. If they didn't, if they don't air it on Saturdays, um, you could also catch. But this is—I don't know what their their new their new schedule is. But if it wasn't on Saturdays, you could catch a reshowing of it on Sunday. Maybe, but I don't remember early, the time. Maybe that was the early time I got it. But they had, but they had two different. They had Saturday and Sunday. They just aired at different times. And I think I think a lot of the um, going back to you know, the viewership, I think a lot of the biggest problem that we find with wrestling today in fans tuning in is with the exception of Monday Night Raw, which has been on the USA Network for what, almost 20 years now. Yeah. Every other wrestling show that's on TV over the past years has changed times they've started. They've changed the, the uh, network they're on. They've changed the day. It's, it's everything from NXT to a, well, not even, not really AEW, because they're still new, but anything from NXT to Impact to Friday Night SmackDown, it's all it's, it's constantly changed. You've seen SmackDown going from Friday to Thursday to Tuesday. Uh, Impact, I think, has been on every single day of the week at one point. NXT has gone from Tuesday and Wednesday, I think, when they originally were on. I, I want to say it might have been Thursday that they were on at one point back in the day. But it's just it's hard for people to catch up with because you've got people that don't watch every single week but are still very much so fans and they'll go you know a couple months without watching because they get busy you get caught up in life and you got to turn it back on and oh you can't find it rob he just said something that really struck me and i want to get your opinion on this you have wwe raw nxt smackdown mlw impact wrestling ring of honor nwa AEW with three shows in itself Wrestling is on literally Monday through Saturday, Sunday's pay-per-view. 
Rob, is there too much wrestling on TV? Yes. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. And it's and 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 it forces the, the, the fan to to truly try and choose one versus the other. Um, you know, I was I was torn Wednesday nights. I would watch AEW and then I would follow back with NXT. Um, it was very rare that I would watch NXT first before AEW. Um, Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, well, Tuesdays back in the day and Thursdays when Impact was on, I didn't really, it was too much. So I, my brain and, and the, the, the capacity and it just needed a break. Um, you know, but when you had, when you had TNA, that's impact you know when we had all of the talent in 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 the impact zone and everything yeah that that was something i had to watch every week but it, it, it's way too much now and if I, you and if you throw a documentary on there on the network and things like that then you're watching monday through sunday because the documentaries and everything come out on sunday so you still got something going on right man tna i miss those days I miss them a lot. <laughs> that was, honestly, um, and a lot of a lot of people don't really know this for me. So I grew up watching wrestling just from my I think it was my mother's significant another at the time. He watched wrestling during the Attitude Era, and then I grew up in as I went into like middle high school, I kind of stopped watching wrestling. TNA, believe it or not, was actually what made me a wrestling fan again because I was going through the channels one day and Christian Cage pops up and he's doing a promo in the ring, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know that guy. He doesn't have hair anymore, but I know that guy. <laughs> and then that was like right after the boom where Kurt Angle had made his debut and oh, yeah. they had the Kurt Angle Samoa Joe feud going on. Uh, AJ Styles was up and coming. And I was like, this is literally the coolest thing on TV. And even uh, Raw SmackDown, they were incredible at the time. Um, and it, like that, oh, that like 2004 to like 2007 or eight era was arguably for me my favorite time of wrestling and a major point of it was from what tna was putting on on tv at the time and if you took a look at what their what the tna roster was at that time it would blow away anything that you have right now i yes. would put that tna roster up against anything now and with the right writing with the with the correct yes. writing i would destroy wwe i would destroy aew i would destroy them you had hulk hogan scott steiner sting kurt angle samoa joe a young aj styles you had the girls you had brooke tessmacher you had tracy brooks you had trinity you had all and there was a, a new a, another trinity before trinity fatu you had all sorts of of uh you had uh, angelina love you had velvet sky there were hundreds of of beautiful, talented women, young up and coming uh, superstars, as well as the, the veterans, mm -hmm. you know, with the right writing and the right pairing, that roster during that time period could destroy what you have right now. Just destroy yep. it. Absolutely. And I tell Lee this a lot. Um, you know, I still, from being the loyalty and a fan I once was, I still try and catch up with impact as much as I can. I go by this almost every week. I think Impact, as far as writing and booking, has the best product on TV right now. If you pay attention to their actual booking, they are consistent every single week. If they had the booking that they have now with the talent they have then, they would be the best product on the planet. Yeah, and anyone, anyone who's listening who doubts it, just go on Fight TV if you have a Fight TV uh, application. 
uh, and you can screen it to your, your TV. You can, they, they actually broadcast the old TNA uh, pay-per-views and shows uh, on that Fight TV app. So you can go back and see if you doubt what I'm saying, exactly what I'm talking about. The talent back then on that roster, on that, on that uh, company would destroy what we have today. See, you're not the only one that can do a shameless plug. No. <laughs> you but, got something uh, to plug? No. <laughs> I, think, I, think we just, I think we just uh, plugged Impact Wrestling for them. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, just, I have a special place in my heart for TNA and Impact, and I always will. But uh, we do have to get back on track a little bit. Back to the week in wrestling, we've got NXT. And NXT, in my opinion, was the best show on TV this week. Yeah, I mean, we just... You know, I don't mind rabbit holes, so I mean, but back on track. NXT, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, what I like about NXT, again, it, it boils back down to they kind, they have a live audience, right? You know, just like AEW does. Uh, it's a very vocal audience. Rob's favorite Izzy is usually in the audience every week on NXT. <laughs> Loyal, busted, open listener, go Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so. Al, why don't you break down NXT and uh, we'll go. We'll... Absolutely. Um, my biggest takeaways from NXT this week, it appears that the debuting Frankie Monet, as everybody else knows, as the independent scenes, Taya Valkyrie, the current wife of WWE SmackDown superstar, John Morrison, is entering a feud with former NXT women's champion Io Shirai. And that's going to be one hell of a match. I think it's going to be a great match. I think, though, again, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. I apologize to everybody. When she made her debut, mm-hmm. that was a lackluster make her restart and do it again. Because two weeks ago when they had her come out and debut with Io Shirai. Oh, no, she debuted with Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel Gonzalez, because she's the champion. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they did that, all of a sudden, you know, here comes Bianca Belair's music. Bianca Belair's like, shoo, shoo, uh-huh. to, to, to Valkyrie. And, and, and they're like, shoo, shoo, she gets out of the ring. And I'm like, and I'm not going to call her by her new name. It's going to take me a while to adjust to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, she I gets out of the like... ring. And then all of a sudden, you know, Rhea Ripley comes down. And it's just like, are we just going to forget about what we just saw? Who is that girl that just debuted again? That you know, you know that's that's right. what happened. Like if to you me. don't if you don't know her. So this was almost like uh, a redo, almost mm-hmm. to me. It was a redo, uh, much better. Came off much better than how the week before it came off. Uh, very happy, Rob. What did you think of it? I agree. It was a lot better. Uh, I hate the fact that we have to get to that point though. Um, you know, in a day and age when, when you're in the building at 12 o'clock in the afternoon for an eight o'clock show, that's going to go live. You've got plenty of time to rehearse this and make sure that this thing is going to look the way it's supposed to look and go down the way it's supposed to go down. And you, like I said before, you got plenty of, of brilliant names, uh, and, and bodies in that, in that building that can tell you, this doesn't look good. This doesn't feel right. Something's a little off. Um, the other problem is, you know, without, again, without that live audience, what looks on TV like it fell short may not have fallen short had it been live. The other thing is, again, we all know who she is. Changing her name 
slaps the wrestling fan in the face. Right. Um, like I, I understand if you change the name of someone who's like, I mean, they kind of know him. They're on the indie scene, but they haven't been around forever. But Ty has been in the business for how long now? Yeah. Like, you've watched her in Impact. You've watched her in Lucha Underground. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody, if, if you watch WWE and you're a fan of Morrison and you follow him on any sort of social media, you know who she is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, but I definitely think it came off better this week. Definitely better this week than 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 in the past and i know and i know that got under your skin lee so yeah no, i really did. i was really bothered by it because you know you she's obviously they're paying her good money so you have her do this you have her debut only to have it under appreciated or undervalued i think by the company to have the rest to have the the raw women's champion and the smackdown women's champion come out mm-hmm. and celebrate and then you just kind of push her to the side or like i almost feel like that was a Vince move just she, to show them all off at once or she's like a dust bunny and you swept her under the rug kind of deal and i'm kind of like <laughs> right if she's supposed to be a big star and you just had her get out of the ring for that she should attack one of them or something and i'm like and it just never happened so like I felt it was like a lackluster. So like for her, like basically to me, this was a redo. And the funny thing her. is, is that she's a bigger name than any of the rest of them that were in a ring. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's know. she's been wrestling longer than any of the other women in the ring. She should have been treated better. But you know how it is. You're new to WWE. You're you're the low one on the total. It's pole. better than getting a trash bag. Uh too soon. Uh, <laughs> the other well, no, I'll save that one for last. But the next thing I want to go into, because it ties into the last thing I want to speak on, is the return of Adam Cole next week. Uh, it said that he's going to be doing a sit-down interview. Lee, Rob, where do you guys think they're going with this new direction with Adam Cole? Does he go back to feuding with Kyle O'Reilly? Or does he move on? I I don't know what there's left for Adam Cole to do in NXT, honestly. I think that I'd, you... I'd oh, love ahead. to see him get interviewed by, by, uh, by Pat McAfee. And I think there's still heat there. I, you know, I think there's still some friction, something we can go off of with that. Um, you know, so I would start it with that. I also think I would turn him in a different direction. As so much as I'd love to see him go with Kyle O'Reilly, I, I, I think we just got to go in a different direction because nowadays we don't build anything. So if we're not going to take the time to build and let these guys have three or four matches together, then let's move them on to something bigger and better. I'm almost wondering if maybe they'll go with the direction of sending him to SmackDown then as Pat McAfee is the new commentator over there now. Realistically, with what you both guys just said is what should happen. And I, I, I agree with both of you. I think that that's exactly what should happen. Uh, again, I am infamously known for saying WWE is going to WWE. It's my favorite catchphrase. And years. I think they're going to do it here with Adam Cole. Um, we saw Roderick Strong give his walking papers to William Regal a couple weeks ago, which originally to me said that he's getting called up, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have somebody give their walking papers and just on live TV <laughs> on live TV, and you're not calling them up. Or going back to like what Rob said, they need a few weeks to to heal and right. from an injury or something type deal. Um, so I, it's one of those two, but I, I don't see them really calling anyone major up from NXT though. 
And the only reason why I say that is because it dates back to everything Rob has said. The lack There's no of the live audience. audience. Yep. You know, so I think Cole is staying in NXT for a while. I was going to say, I think Heath Lee and Matt Riddle are like the only ones in the COVID era that have gotten moved up. Yeah. But what I, I, I just, I honestly don't know what they're going to do with them. I really don't. interesting to see. I have no um, idea. But speaking of Kyle O'Reilly, and this is the last point I've got to hit with NXT, at the end of the night, you saw a slow little kind of small confrontation between Kyle O'Reilly and the NXT champion, Karrion Cross. That match needs to happen or I'm going to cry. It would be a good match, and I, I think I know why Rob wants to see it, because Scarlett will be part of this. I Absolutely. Love I, I love <laughs> Absolutely. Her. I'm right with you on that one, Rob. I love her. You know, to the writers, to the writers and, and everybody else at, at NXT, if you're going to ever, and please don't, but if you're ever going to copy uh, what SmackDown did on Friday and have a 45-minute opening promo, please do it with Karrion Cross and Scarlett, because <laughs> I will not tune away. And there will be no reason for picture in picture. And I would, uh, <laughs> never mind, never mind. <laughs> He's but, like, not now. But, but, <laughs> but with all of that, I think that uh, Karrion Cross shouldn't talk. I think Scarlett should be his mouthpiece for him. Rob, you and I have talked about this a lot, especially when it comes to the managers. Uh, there's wrestlers out there who necessarily don't need to speak i'm actually looking at one who never really had to hold a mic he's over there on my uh, stand rob van dam but uh you know carrion he should be a silent guy he's tall he's muscular he's everything vince mcmahon would love back in the day vince would always put a big man with a manager and let the manager be the mouthpiece this is a prime example of going back into that golden era or in, in revamp managers, because that's one thing WWE kind of lacks nowadays, especially on the main roster managers, managers as mouthpieces. You have Paul Heyman. And I was say Roman barely has to talk anymore. Yeah. But you have yeah. Paul Heyman. That's really it. Right. Um, so Rob, could you see Scarlett being the complete mouthpiece in WWE saying cross, she does all the talking. I wish she would. And, and when cross and Finn Balor were setting up for their uh, pay-per-view match, she did a lot of the talking leading up to that. And I thought she was great at it. And, and I don't, I definitely agree. I think Carrie and cross should probably, um, you know, save the, the huge promos for when he may have to, but let her do all of the talking and all of his bidding. That's why she's there. She's painted as that kind of a, uh, of, of a character. So let her do all the bidding and let her do all the little puppet weaving and everything like that, um, you know, towards the other talents and, and get not only herself, but, but her talent over. And that's, that's the name of the game at the end of the day. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to kind of agree with you, kind of disagree with you on that. Um, so, yes. Obviously, Is that like being sort of pregnant? I mean, yeah, I guess. Okay. I, all right. I'd, I'd, I'd have a few more questions about that. but um, So, I agree with everything you guys are saying with Scarlett speaking for Carrie and because she does such an amazing job at it. I think the problem where they run into with this situation is that Carrie in and of himself 
is pretty great on the microphone. But I think if you do what you guys are saying and you only have him speak when like those big matches, like you're, you're coming into like a takeover, like a big takeover, like one before SummerSlam or Mania, that's the moment when you give him the mic and you have him unleash because he and himself is a very excellent talker on the microphone. And that's why I, I, I like what Rob said that you only let him, you let him speak when he has his, when it's a big moment right. type deal and mm-hmm. let him do it. So, I mean, I, I've, you've been able to hear him speak. You've heard him on impact and oh, everything. So, exactly. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's dating back to Lucha underground too. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he, he's, he, he can speak on the mic, but I just think it makes him come off as more vicious and like, cause he's got that sadistic character. Like if you, you just have him speak in those moments where he just, you know, and that's what blows it, up with rage, but that's what makes it better. Yeah. You know, yeah, I here's something, here's something else to think about when, when it comes to carrying cross. Um, Scarlet is always in, in gimmick. She's always in these goth clothes and, and everything yeah. like that, which is, which is phenomenal. Sometimes he's in his gear and sometimes he's in jeans and a t-shirt with a leather jacket looking yeah. like Johnny down the street. You're either, you're either 100% carrying cross or you're 100% Johnny in jeans, but you can't be a mixture of both when your manager and your mouthpiece and your girlfriend is is 100 goth if she's yeah. going to be 100 goth which which i'm in favor of because i think she pulls it off really really well he's got to be 100 carrying cross he can't be johnny down the street who looks like a guy that got picked up at studio 54 absolutely- with his shirt hanging you know with his sh- shirt unbuttoned and he's got his gold over his uh, over his shoulder he looks like somebody that came out of studio 54 uh, i agree with you on that because that's the one thing that I've questioned about him and his character in NXT. And I think part of that boils down to they don't know if he's a healer or babyface yet. Well, when he first debuted, I got the idea he was <laughs> going to be heel. Right. Because when they were doing all the vignettes and they were beautifully done with the background and everything and him and her, and, you know, he had that like robish kind of like jacket thing that he, he was mm-hmm. coming out with. I really thought they were going to do some sort of like vampire-esque type gimmick with him for some reason, um, which to me just spoke totally goth, like Rob mm-hmm. had said. You're either 100% committed or you're not. Like, I, I don't need you looking like interview with the vampire one week and then the next week you're Johnny Cage right. from Mortal Kombat and the leather jacket and the sunglasses. Well, and the problem is too is that him getting injured – I think messed up a bunch of the plans because he came back and with the NXT audience being the NXT audience, whether you're a heel or a baby face, you're getting cheered when you make a return in NXT. And then to put him in a feud with another heel, as soon as he came back, it messed up part of the vibe of his character, in my opinion. And I think well, that's why he got this entire confusion. Whether he's, whether he's heel or face has no, no bearing on, on his gimmick and his gimmick is his gimmick and right. her gimmick is her gimmick. And if she comes out every single week, looking the exact same which she does you know he should look exactly the same to match her he shouldn't come out in jeans and a t-shirt and and vice versa if he comes out in all his gear and she's in jeans and a t-shirt um you know it's you're gonna look like somebody forgot their gear one day it it just doesn't it's not gonna look right yeah hopefully that's something that they fix in the future other than that i don't have many complaints about carrying cross in general no i don't either i i you know, great character, great wrestler. Um, I obviously I think NXT is. Oh, and he wants to retire Cena too. Did you hear that? 
I, I thought this was retired. I thought he already was. I don't, yeah. I don't nobody knows anymore. Uh, he hasn't been he hasn't been around for if, how, for the for the right payday. Anybody yeah. will come back. I was gonna say he hasn't wrestled a, an actual at an actual wrestling match since like one of the Saudi Arabia shows like yeah two or three years ago. Well, we know WWE's, WWE is going to WWE, and uh, fortunately enough, we kind of see a little bit of that on SmackDown, but SmackDown had some good points. I agree. One of those being, uh, I am very huge on Apollo Crews right now. Uh, I, I'm very big on him, one, because he was trained by Mr. Hughes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that autobiography is almost done, if you wanted to know, but he is your current <laughs> WWE Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> The Intercontinental Champion. Okay, well, I can't fake a Nigerian accent. Well, you know, you got to fake it until you make it, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really shocking to me, him defeating Kevin Owens. Granted, he is the, the Intercontinental Champion and everything. Um, he's one of those, he's had a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. You know, United States Champion, then not United States Champion, now he's Intercontinental Champion. But he's in kind of that lackluster, even with Big E, or even though you're a champion, they kind of don't know what to do with you. And I think that's what we're seeing, though, with Apollo. Rob, when you were there in WWE and you, and you guys had champions like that, that even though they're the champion, you don't know what to do with them. What does Vince think? Like, is, is there something missing with this wrestler or is the company missing something that they're not doing right? Well, usually, usually when that when the situation like that was was unfolding, you would give the talent an opportunity to get themselves over. Um, I think Apollo Cruz is doing that uh, slowly but surely. Again, I think you have to have a bell curve with it. Um, I also think, you know, and this goes back to Kofi Kingston situation. A month and a half ago or so, he was Apollo Cruz, and he was talking like you and I are talking right now. And then two weeks later, he puts on a, a scarf and he creates an accent, calls himself Nigerian. You know, I, I, I think back to when Kofi Kingston was uh, Jamaican and then he cuts the promo in the ring and Triple H looks at him and goes, weren't you Jamaican a minute ago? And that was, that's one of my favorite segments of all time. So. So, you know, I, again, it goes back to slapping the wrestling fan in the face. Now, Apollo Crews, I think, can get over with his ability and his, his wrestling talent. There's no doubt about that. And I think he can take this character uh, as far as he wants to take it. But I think it's going to take the wrestling fans uh, a minute or two to get behind it, only because they know Apollo Crews, the person. Right. So they know he's not Nigerian. So, uh, you know. I almost wish that he had debuted with this character because it would have made a little more sense having the accent right off the bat because I, I love everything about this version of Apollo Crews. I've said for years that he's one of the most underrated wrestlers in wrestling today, and it's, it's nice to see that he's finally getting some sort of dues that he's deserved. I agree. I, I think that if you let the wrestlers have a little leeway or have a little say in the character. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hand them a script like this yeah. thick right. and say, you got to memorize this for your promo 
to the fact that someone like Rhea Ripley couldn't memorize it and she's reading off a cue card, not even looking at the person she's talking to, just doing this the whole time while I am cutting a promo, I sound like a robot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I digress, though. At least Cesaro's getting a push. Oh, my God. I am so... <laughs> I have not shut up to Lee about Cesaro for years. I've been a fan of Cesaro as a singles wrestler basically since he debuted back in like 2012. I thought he's had all the talent in the world. The only issue that I think he's going to run into is that he is, he needs a manager. He is still not great on the microphone, but I also think that's where they're kind of utilizing Daniel Bryan right now because he did a lot of the speaking for Cesaro on Friday. Well, I think Cesaro's ultimately going to get a chance to get that infamous brass ring that Vince McMahon talked about on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to get that opportunity, but what's going to happen uh, is is he's going to have a very, very short uh, leash as far as getting that character over um, and, and capturing that brass ring because don't think for a second that Vince McMahon is not going to pull... Uh, pull the plug on that real quick, real fast. If he's not getting over, and it, and getting over is going to require a live audience, so he better hope he takes this to the moon real quick, real fast. And I am so glad that you brought that up, Rob, because in my head I was I was waiting because if you didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up. The whole thing with Stone Cold and Vince on the podcast, mm-hmm. where you know Vince kind of just says, "I don't see it." type deal with Cesaro. Everybody has seen it, but Vince McMahon. And I agree with Rob. He's got to get over, but he's got to get over with a live audience because the sound being fizzled in isn't, isn't, isn't helping him much. But one of the things I told you, and I believe I told you too, Rob, was that this match between Cesaro and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania that needed to be Cesaro's time to shine to show everybody because you did have a live audience for that. Absolutely. And I think he did a pretty good job. I mean, a lot of people were saying that was match of both nights. Oh, he was phenomenal. He took what he took, what little was given to him and he made it, he made it phenomenal. Both, both him and and Seth Rollins. So hats off to both of them. Um, You know, and and it only takes that little bit to get that ball rolling. Once that ball is rolling, you're going to have a very short period of time in Vince McMahon's eyes to then cross that end zone. Um, You know, I, 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 I always used to think Vince was sort of like a manager uh, of a baseball team in the world series. And when you're in the bottom of the ninth and you're, you're either tied or up by a run and you bring in a relief pitcher and that pitcher lets the first guy go to first base, that manager is real quick to yank the, the plug on that relief pitcher and get somebody else in there. And, I equate that to Cesaro. Love him. I think he's phenomenal. But if he doesn't pull it off real quick, real fast, he's going to be yanked. Now, now, Rob, let me ask you this before we get into the bad of SmackDown, because I know you two really want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) To me, this was like one of the first times ever actually hearing Vince because you don't hear Vince do a lot of interviews, especially, you know, when it comes to the podcast world, this is one of the first times I'd ever heard Vince be really, really blunt about not pushing a talent. Mm-hmm. When you were in the company and you worked around Vince, 
was he ever blunt about not pushing a talent that maybe say the writers were saying, Hey, this is the guy that should have this spot or, you know, listening to a John Cena or a triple H or an undertaker, a Shawn Michaels about a certain talent. Absolutely. He Vince has a, a particular image in mind, an image and likeness that he always has felt should look like a world champion. This has nothing to do with an intercontinental champion or tag team champions. It has to do with being the world champion. He has a certain image and likeness that he, he envisions and, and wants to have. And if you don't meet that, it doesn't matter how good of a wrestler you are. Uh, he, he's not going to be in favor of it. Um, Shawn Michaels, I think, probably would be the smallest, if you want to consider him small, uh, talent that he put up on that pedestal and rode for a long period of time. Other than that, the other guys that he uh, got behind and got behind in a big way were always very large guys, um, very big, very muscular, very tall, tall being 6'2 or better, um, not really a fan of the 5'10 and below guys. Um, and sadly, if you think about it, that's, that's where a lot of our top talent right now are at. You're Adam Coles, you're AJ Styles, you're Cesaro's, you're Daniel Bryan's, all of the guys that are, are very high up as far as you and I would consider top tier talent. They're not tall enough and they're not big enough. And we can't use the old HGH anymore to get bigger. So therefore you're always going to be as big as you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense. And that was actually going to be another thing I was going to ask. Cause you, you hit on that point. I was going to say, well, what's he going to do with an Adam Cole when he comes up to the main roster? You know, Adam Cole, who's somebody that's smaller than you or I, I mean, I've met him. He's five, six, 155 pounds. Yeah. He's not a big guy at all. Well, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. You know, side story. We were at we were at TNA um, a while back, and this was when AJ Styles was still there, Jeff Jarrett, and everybody was still there. This was, you know, in in the in the in the hype, Alex. That that was in the hype that Alex was in love with. Um, I was I was doing a, a a signing with them in there, and my dad had come along with me, and he had been a fan and got me involved in wrestling years ago as a little kid. And he saw, he met AJ Styles for the first time. And prior to meeting AJ Styles, he had seen Kevin Nash, who was a friend of ours. Um, and Kevin stood up and, and hugged my dad and everything. My dad is 6'2", but Kevin Nash obviously is seven foot tall. So we know how big Kevin Nash is. And my dad winds up meeting AJ Styles and AJ stands up to shake my dad's hand. And he looks up at my dad and shakes his hand. And he says, oh, well, it's nice to meet you. Who are you fighting tomorrow? And he goes, I'm fighting Kevin for the world title. And my dad literally, who has no filter, said, I'm supposed to believe someone the size of you is going to beat someone the size of him? Oh, Not no. going to happen. Oh, no. But that's the Vince McMahon mentality right there. Right. I want to believe, I cannot believe that someone the size of me, me personally, can beat someone the size of John Cena or someone the size of Randy Orton, who is, who is 6'3" um or someone the size of hulk hogan back in the day um you know or someone the size of triple h back in the day that was a big name it's just not believable and when you have a guy like ray mysterio doing it i mean 
Kevin showed us in WCW, he could wand dart Ray into a trailer. Yeah. So I'm not supposed to believe that Ray can actually win the world title. Right. And, you know, I think that was part of the reason that his, his world title reign didn't last as long as it was because there was, you know, you had all the hype for Ray winning that world title match at WrestleMania 22 because the whole backstory with Eddie tragically passing away. But if you then go and pay attention to it as, as, as much as everybody says that was a popular match, you go back and watch WrestleMania 22 and you listen to the end of the match, the crowd was very silent after he won the match. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's where, you know, for DVD purposes and stuff, they'll filter in. Right, but sound. I think that's part of what, when you have small instances like that, Vince takes that and goes, oh, well, they're never going to get over. <laughs> that's, yeah, uh, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I, you know, we've seen guys come in and, and, you know, Mark Henry talks about it all the time. Vince wanted nothing to do with Daniel Bryan. Absolutely zero. And it wasn't until some of the bigger guys, the, the veterans and the hall of famers went to bat for Daniel that he even got a shot at WWE. Right. So just think of all the things we wouldn't have had with regard to Daniel Bryan, if it wasn't for all of these leaders, these locker room leaders actually going events and putting them their, their reputation on the line, um, you know, and their, and, and his thought process on them, um, you know, if, if they didn't go to bat for, for some of these guys. And then I think them going to bat for Daniel Bryan has ultimately led to Daniel Bryan going to bat for a lot of the current roster too. And I think he's a, a big portion to thank for, you know, a lot of these, smaller guys getting more opportunities on tv now we're in a different generation nowadays nowadays it's not six foot six 300 pounds as a world champion it's 510 you know 180 but again i can't help but think the cruiserweight title is a 205 wasn't didn't we have 205 live you had to be 205 pounds or less yeah well when you're when your world champion is 200 less than 205 pounds how am i supposed to believe the cruiserweight or how am I supposed to believe him as a world champion? I mean, you got to have right. a give and take. You can't have a 205 live and a, and a cruiserweight title where everyone has to be 205 pounds or less when Adam Cole is 185 pounds soaking wet. And I think that's important where at that aspect, you need to keep a mix of, you know, every now and then you have a world champion that's a bigger guy. Every now and then yeah. That's smaller. It cannot be all one or all the other. He just hit a good point that I actually want to talk on before we get into the SmackDown thing that you guys really wanted to talk about. It's 205 now to be the cruiserweight champion. I know where he's going. The wrestlers were so much bigger back then that WCW, it was 220. Yep. WWF, the lightweight championship, it wasn't 205. I think it was, again, I think it was like a 210, 215, 220 weight range that you had to be in. Right. But I mean, 220 is a cruiserweight. And now you're seeing 220. That's your heavyweight champion, uh-huh. you know? So I was going to say, you got the Miz who just posted on Instagram the other day saying he's down to like 206 pounds. Yeah. And he was just the WWE champion like a month ago. Yeah. And I made the joke then that, oh, he must be training because he couldn't hold the WWE championship. He must be training for 205 <laughs> Live, <laughs> you know? He'd make a good Intercontinental champion. I thought he brought prestige to that belt. I think he's one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, I, I think they keep going with a lackluster with that championship because they'll, they'll put it on somebody of notoriety and then they put it on someone. You're like, 
wait, really? And then it goes back and then it does like kind of like the stock market or, you know, it just Mm -hmm. up and down, up and down. And right now I think it's in a good middle, but I think they're getting to a situation where like they always have been with that intercontinental championship over the last probably 10 years, aside from the Miz doing his thing. They just kind of, they, it's a lackluster, don't really know what to do with kind of deal. You know, at one point that was the, it was the stepping stone. It, to me, it was, it, I, I'd rather watch the Intercontinental Championship matches than the WWF Championship matches because the WWF Championship matches, you know you were only going to see two or three moves from each guy, punch, 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 reverse, reverse. I'm going to hulk up or I'm shaking the ropes or, you know, I'm, uh-huh. ooh, yeah. Right. The Intercontinental Championship matches – those were the real dogs busting their butts in their matches. And they were putting on the better matches in the heavyweight championship matches. Yeah. You yep. know? And they were also coin flips. You couldn't tell me who was going to win the intercontinental title match, where yeah. I could probably tell you who was going to win the world title match. Yeah. If Hulk Hogan was in the world title match, you knew, no, nah, he probably, he, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. but the intercontinental championship, whole different story. But there is one specific spot that I know you guys have been dying to talk about when it comes to SmackDown. Ladies and gentlemen, we've touched the good. We've touched the bad. Now we're touching the ugly. Alex. 45 minutes. 45 minute promo. Rob, I know you got a lot of thoughts on it. Take it away. You know, when I was at WWE or WWF, we got in trouble for a certain segment that I really didn't have a lot of my hands on, but we got in trouble for a certain segment and it was rock. This is your life. (laughs) And we got in so much trouble because we went so long with that, that Vince was throwing things in gorilla. He was livid while this was happening and heads were going to roll. Well, that was one of the highest rated segments in raw history. I can guarantee you wasting 45 minutes on Daniel Bryan and Cesaro and Uso and uh, uh, Seth Rollins trying to put together what turned out to be what we could have put together in five minutes. You wasted 45 valuable golden minutes on prime television to do that. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be disgusted. Disgusted. And I love Cesaro, and I'm so glad he's getting his push. And I love Daniel Bryan. I love Seth Rollins. I love Jey Uso. Um, and I, I even like Roman Reigns. But you wasted 45 golden minutes on a two-hour show, and time is precious. Time is, is so valuable when you're talking about a wrestling program on TV to blow 45 minutes of it to open the show and then kill another 12 minutes to have a match at the end of the show. Disgraceful. And whoever did that, those would be the people who should be joining my good friend, Mark Carano on the unemployment line. And, and here's, I, I 100% agree with you. Here's my biggest issue with the whole thing too, is it made next week extremely predictable. You wasted all that time focusing on Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. You're focusing on them. They showed them more than they showed Roman throughout the show. They focused on Daniel Bryan so much that you know, he's going to lose next week. It's, well, it's the only tough. thing that question made me question that is, is he's putting his SmackDown career on the line. 
So while I know his contract is coming to a close, is this the way we say goodbye to Daniel? Or is this the way we get Cesaro over by fighting his good friend Daniel? And so, then Roman, Roman waiting in the wings for Cesaro not to be able to eclipse that brass ring. And then Roman just comes in for the kill. So here's my thought process on what's going to happen. Um, I have a feeling Daniel Bryan does lose next week, but I almost just, they just something throughout watching the show the whole entire night led me to believe that the way they're doing this is setting up for edge to return next week and cost Daniel Bryan the match. You could make you get true. You get Daniel Bryan off raw him and edge are off TV for a couple months. They both show back up on raw later this summer and you build to a match at SummerSlam. Meanwhile, Cesaro gets the whole redemption angle of trying to avenge Daniel Bryan's career and I just see, that's the only thing I could think of the whole entire time. And so for me, it felt very extremely predictable to where the, to the point where I really don't care about watching the universal title match next week. The only reason I'm still going to is because I know it's going to be a good match. Well, some interesting numbers to take away from this. SmackDown's rating, even with that infamous 45-minute promo angle, SmackDown did over 2 million in the ratings. They took the number two spot for the average of the 18 to 49 demographic. They actually tied second in the night. But what's more interesting is who held the top spot with that demographic. And I'm kind of shocked on this. And Rob, you're never going to believe it when I tell you. And when I tell you, you're probably going to get a little upset by this. Nothing ex- upsets me these days. Except Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Except Freddie Prince Jr. So Even the- he can't get under my skin. Apparently I get <laughs> under his. For the 18 to 49 demographic, which WWE prides themselves on wanting to hit, Shark Tank was number one in the demographic for 18 to 49-year-old males. There you go. Good for Mark Cuban. Good for Mark Cuban. <laughs> but Access I- TV. I'm a little baffled by that because like, I didn't realize that that many people watch that show. Oh, yeah. Shark Tank's a great show. I love Shark Tank. Me too. I, oh, my God. That's I, how DDP Yoga became a thing. Well, I mean, it's true. You know, I, I remember him going on there and stuff, but I, I, I didn't realize that that many people watch that oh, show. Such so I'm a little, I, for me, that's a little shocking. I figured you guys would have been shocked. See, like, I guess I don't watch enough TV right. or enough TV outside of wrestling. One of the two. For there me, you go. Like, What's more shocking for me is the fact that SmackDown even did that good. And not not because the product in the ring is bad. It's just I feel like if I was watching Oh, the ratings were still down. Right, right. But but they like still drew over two I million. I figured with that many with that long of a promo going on, people are just gonna get tired of it and change the channel. I just feel they only focused on four guys. Five guys, if you count Roman, who who, you know, happen to be just in the in the background of the whole the four guys that were involved in it. I I felt you just spent too much time on four guys you know is the show is two hours long and you basically took half of that entire show for those four guys yeah and i remember there was even times oh probably what maybe 10 years ago 2010 2011 2012 you could guarantee every monday night raw was starting with a 20 minute promo Uh you know it was 15 20 minutes and very rarely did they just would you hear the announcers and just boom right into a match it was just a 20 minute promo usually your champion doing a lot of talking this and that set up for the main event yep sure. set up for the main event for that night 
but a lot of the times when they were doing that, they lost me already. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't sit. If your show's starting and you're starting with a 20 minute promo, that's what that felt like to me. It brought me back to a time when I actually stopped watching. Right. Yep. Because I couldn't, I couldn't sit back and just the show's opening with a 20 minute promo. This guy talking about this guy for 20 minutes and you're going, yeah, we only got two hours. What are we going to have? Four freaking matches? Like, can we speed this up type deal? Did we even have four? Hell if I know. Um, I think we had three. But I saw three, if I remember correctly. Remember? Because when I pulled up and I was like, I, there was the beginning match. Right? No, no, that was the end of it. Cesaro and Daniel Bryan versus Seth and Jay was the main event, right? Yeah. And then you had Otis. Oh, you had and Chad versus the Mysterios. You had the Intercontinental title match. And, oh, um, you had the Mysterios. Wasn't there Tamina versus Nia Jax or something like that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, So I think four. Okay. Four. Okay. For two hours, that's disgraceful. Right. Especially when the rest of the guys and girls that were wrestling, the whole show got overshadowed by that. Yeah. And 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 here you go. You got you you spend so much money and budget because when a talent shows up, they still got to get paid. You brought all those those different um, men and women into that locker room, and you had to pay them that night. Not one of them appeared on the show. Yet you're going to talk about budget cuts for for ten or twelve different wrestlers. I would also like to point out that MLW is only a one hour show, and they have four matches on their show. Yeah. yeah. How they uh, how you have two hours and you don't have more than four matches that's a little uh wow well wwe will wwe it hey there it is it's my new favorite saying oh that is my favorite i love saying that and i love the fact that i'm getting other people to say it so we're going to continue that nothing nothing's more true for wwe wwe needing it by the way than than what a and e did sunday night with their oh. WWE hidden treasures, yes, uh, you know, I, I I I am blown away. First of all, that a sock is worth five thousand dollars in their in their estimated opinion, and the reason I say that, no offense to Mick Foley, because I do love Mick, um, he's been a friend of mine for years. But June thirteenth, WWE hidden treasures features uh, a two part episode on Andre the Giant. Um, of which I am, I am a part of with the legendary Sonny Ono, who has the um, only one of two Andre the Giant Giant Machine masks uh, that, that ever existed. And if you're going to value a sock at $5,000 or a vest, a vest, that, that kid took that vest, he, and not only did he get or did he just exchange it, he got the barbed wire bat that, that Foley used against Triple H, um, so that's one of a kind where a Foley vest, he's probably got 18 or 20 of them. And I use that number very high because Mick very rarely changed his, his clothes. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I talked with, I talked with Brett, 
Brett Webb, who is the uh, curator of uh, the Ellerbe Museum in Ellerbe, North Carolina, that has the only other Andre the Giant uh, mask, the Giant Machine mask, that was donated by um, Andre's caretaker after Andre passed away. They tried to purchase that mask. They were told 100% not going to happen. So they came to, to Sonny, and they came to Sonny with $500 for the Andre the Giant mask. But you're going to pay $5,000 for Mick Foley's sock that there's probably 180,000 of them out there. So WWE, you WWE'd, your WWE lost treasures. Uh, I've actually got a Mick Foley sock in my kitchen, actually. No Sakes? joke. Alex, if you would move, I will literally go, get, go it get it for you because I would like to get $5,000 for this. There we go. I, I can give you Kate's phone number. Uh, and, and I'm sure she would, she would, uh, love to literally to, on the top case. Hey, if you could get 2,500, if you could get 2,500 for it, be amazing. Yeah. you know, and, uh, it's autographed, which is cool because I've, I've met Mick before. Um, now does it have oval eyes or circle eyes? Cause remember, according to the even, lost treasures, it was major. It's even got blood on it. Well, drawn on blood, but. We'll show, we'll show everybody real quick. There we go. It's looking almost like oval eyes. That could be a... Uh, Even uh, I got a big fully sock. There you go. So, man, five grand for a sock. Five grand for a sock. The other kid, the other kid got 7500 and a pizza party with Mick. <laughs> pizza party? I, I, you know, I, I, I could dig up something for, for 7,500 and a pizza party with Mick. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, just the pizza party alone, honestly. Just depending. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, depending on what Mick's budget is these days, we probably could bring Mick in for a pizza party and watch a pay-per-view and, and, and it would come out just almost as close to the 7,500, uh, plus the cost of the pizzas. So, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I am a big fan of the show, though, because it, it is showing um, memorabilia that we fans might not actually get to see. Um, and fans, you can watch that every Sunday, WWE's Most Wanted Treasures on A&E. Uh, Steve Moran was uh, the one who actually had the McFoley. Uh, the sock. The sock, yeah. You know, he's he had the fancy cars outside. He's a buddy of mine. He has the... Uh, the GWC, and uh, he's also in a group called Fandemonium, so I'll wrap it right there. There's the F for you, boys. Um, but the show is nothing like I thought it was going to be. I tried out for the show because I have some unique, one-of-a-kind items. I have, uh, like, the only known outfit of um, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, Steve Lombardi, who I've also got the kimchi hat, you know, so... That's, that's pretty cool. The, the dress, the Terry I've got the Terry Runnels dress that never made it to air because God rest his soul. Rest in peace. Brian Pillman passed away. So I got a wedding dress that never made it to air. And I got some other, you know, neat items like from Tatanka and Barry Windham and uh, Jimmy Valiant. And uh, another one that I understand was a pair of barber shears. Replica. They yeah, bought a which, replica. Which, by the way, I've got two. So if that's <laughs> the case... I should have advertised those WWE Most Wanted Treasures. If you're doing season two, you know where to find me. I'll be applying again <laughs> if they have a season two. Um, 
I, I don't know how much research they went into, you know, really, you know, looking, looking for items and everything, but, uh, the show itself is still pretty unique, but it's, again, it still wasn't what I, th I thought it was going to be fans showcasing their items. And instead it's basically you either auction it, sell it back, give it to them or trade. Yeah. So they're basically just trying to take all their stuff back. It's a WWE version of Pawn Stars. Yes. Yes. The best way to put it, because I believe my friend Steve actually traded. He traded items. That really does sound like WWE. WWE. He, 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 he traded for the, uh, the barbed wire baseball bat. I get a cool item. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's better than having a sock. Well, Steve gave the sock. Yeah. Steve just gave the sock. Then the second guy who had the, the, the flannel vest got the barbed wire back okay, in exchange he traded for, for the, the flannel vest. vest. He just gave the sock. I don't know what Steve paid for the sock, but um, me personally, if I knew I paid for something, I'm not giving it away. Exactly. Not to a billionaire. No. no. I'm, not, I'm not giving it back. I would trade for something of equal or higher value because I'm not going to go down in value for right. sure. Um, if I'm going to sell the item, obviously I'm selling for a profit, but if you're only going to offer X, Y, Z on a one of two, only Andre, the giant masks, I mean, you know, or Just cause they want it back. Yeah. You will. Well, at least come at least if you're going to do that, come, come to the table with, with, uh, a significant dollar amount. Right. Um, you know, and you guys will see when the episode airs. I, I don't think Big Show and Mark Henry really wanted to be there. Um, they were taping this out in the middle of Iowa because uh, Sonny does live in, in BF Egypt uh, out in, in <laughs> Iowa. And, um, you know, I don't think they wanted to be there. It was the middle of winter. It was cold. It was snowy. There was probably was two feet of snow on the ground. Uh, but they were told in advance it was going to cost a significant amount of money because there is an investor in Japan that wants to pay in the upwards of fifty dollars to $60,000 for the mask. So if they knew that in advance, don't come at me with $500. You're just going to look like an idiot. And when, they, when, when I actually offered $5,000 during the show, they said, oh, that's too rich for our blood, and they backed out. So if you're giving 7500 for a Mick Foley shirt and a pizza party and, you know, uh, the other guy, they offered 9000 but then wound up giving a one-of-a-kind barbed wire bat to him, $4,500 is, is not even close to an Andre the Giant mask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob, where can fans find you on social media? I am at Rob Hockman, R-O-B-H-O-C-H-M-A-N. Don't put a K in there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. You'll see all my rescue dogs up there. And anybody can always hit me up on Twitter and Facebook. Right and, of course, and of course, to plug Fight TV, if you go to DDT Pro Wrestling, you'll see me and the great Sonny Ono doing all the play-by-play -play commentary for DDT Pro Wrestling as well as Pro Wrestling Noah. Right on. Al, you know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Perched on the Top Rope, YouTube at Perched on the Top Rope, Twitter, Perched Top Rope, Instagram, Perched Top Rope, and TikTok, Perched on the Top Rope. We've also recently taken our podcast over to the Red Circle website. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Amazon Music and most other podcasting programs. Lee, take us away. Ladies and gentlemen, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. Wow.